Welcome to the old radio. The the old radio. The old the old. Ra- It's the old radio comedy podcast. Welcome to episode 48 of the old radio comedy podcast and a special hump day happy hour edition of the show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Now, as I said in Monday's podcast, I've fallen a bit behind in getting to our listener suggestions. So once again today, we'll be featuring classic comedy radio shows suggested by our listeners. And since it's the Hump Day Happy Hour edition, we're going to do two. The first is by our listener Amy Jaden, who suggested the Jack Benny Show. And the second is by our listener Todd Shields from Illinois, who suggested Duffy's Tavern. Thanks so much for the suggestions, Amy and Todd. Now, we haven't done the Jack Benny show yet on this podcast, so this will be a first, and long overdue, as it's one of the greatest comedy staples of all time. His show ran from 1932 to 1955 on the radio, and was one of the most popular radio programs ever. And, of course, he also had a very successful TV show that ran from 1949 to 1965. And Duffy's Tavern, starring Ed Gardner, was another very popular radio comedy program that ran from 1941 to 1951 on various networks, and was famous for its many famous guest stars that played parts in the weekly sketches. It was also responsible for thousands of bars that popped up all over America during its run with the name Duffy's Tavern, many of which are still open today. Now sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh as we bring you the November 4th, 1951 broadcast of The Jack Benny Show and the February 1st, 1946 broadcast of Duffy's Tavern, right after this. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed, presented by Lucky Strike. And now, your attention, please. Words, promises, double talk. A continuous stream of empty cigarette claims pours through your radio. But now this smoke screen of double talk is swept away by facts, not claims. Facts. Here they are. A month after month continuing quality comparison based on tests certified to be impartial, fair, and identical proves Lucky Strike by a wide margin is the best made of all five principal brands of cigarettes. That's a fact. A fact verified by leading laboratory consultants. For example, Foster D. Snell, Incorporated of New York City, reports, In our opinion, the properties measured are all important factors affecting the taste of cigarette smoke. We conclude that Lucky Strike is the best made of the five major brands. Yes, Luckies are made better. Always so round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw, with no annoying loose ends to spoil their taste. A big reason why Lucky's taste better. So when choosing your cigarette, don't be misled by the smokescreen of claims made by other cigarettes. Remember the facts. Enjoy fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco in the cigarette that's made better. 
the cigarette that tastes better. Lucky Strike. Get a carton today. Be happy, go lucky, go lucky strike today. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, on Friday, November 9th, at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York, the Friars Club is giving Jack Benny a dinner to commemorate his 20 years in radio. As we look in on Jack now, he's rehearsing his speech for the occasion. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for this great tribute. There, how did that sound, Rochester? Fine, boss, fine. Let's say, boss, this party they're giving you, how long is it going to last? Oh, it'll start about 8.30, should be over by 11. You call that a party? <laughs> Rosh, I think that's long enough for a party from 8.30 to 11. With us, that's known as the children's hour. <laughs> Never mind, just finish my packing. And Rochester, while I'm gone, forward all my mail to the Waldorf Astoria. You staying at the Waldorf? Yes. I made a reservation for you at the Acme Plaza. Well, just forget about it. Well, we can't, boss. We can't. Why not? They're holding two clean sheets for you. <laughs> See what they won't do for celebrities. Well, we better write them a nice note. I'll answer the door, Rochester. You finish packing. Yes, sir. So, my darling, though we've parted, come back to whence we started. Whence? Yes, whence. It's the poetic form of where. <laughs> oh, hello, Mary. Come on in. Well, Jack, I'm all ready. Are you packed? Almost. I would have called you, but I'm so busy with all these last-minute things, and I'm nervous, too. Well, I don't blame you for being excited. Jack, I'll bet that banquet will be just wonderful. Well, it should be. Practically everyone in the business will be there. Milton Berle, George Burns, Jesse Block, Eddie Cantor, Fred Allen, Georgie Jessel, and a lot of Jack. People. They asked Fred Allen to come? Well, Mary, they weren't going to, but I insisted that he be invited. Ah, that was nice of you. And I hope you'll forget your silly grudge and talk to him at the banquet. Mary, these days, Allen doesn't need conversation. He needs food. <laughs> Believe me. Huh? Well, Jack, it should be a nice banquet, especially at the Waldorf. What are they going to serve? Well, they left that up to me, and I told them I'd like something I usually eat at home. Something like pheasant under glass. <laughs> what are you laughing at? The closest you come to pheasant under glass is when your parrot fell in the fishbowl. <laughs> Mary, don't be ridiculous. I wouldn't eat Polly. But, boss, I saw you put it in the oven. Only to dry her off. <laughs> now, look, Rochester, if you don't finish my packing, I'll answer the phone, will you, Mary, please? Oh, sure. Hello? Hello, Liv. Oh, it's you, Phil. Yeah, but on a streetcar, I'm called Desire. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what happens when you write your own stuff. 
What do you want, Phil? Is the old man around? Yeah, Jack's sitting in the next room. Well, if the phone cord don't reach, call me back when he's closer. Oh, wait a minute, Phil. I'll call him. Jack, it's Phil. Thanks, Mary. Hello, Phil. Hey, Jackson, I just had to call you. I thought of the greatest joke that you ever heard in your life. Look, Phil. Hey, ask me why girls who live in the Rockies won't take sun baths. For heaven's sake, Phil, I haven't time for that corny stuff. I'm packing for my trip to New York. In case you don't know it, the Friars are giving me a testimonial dinner there. So what? Markster's giving me a testimonial next week. I almost cried when they gave me my gift. They gave you the gift already? What is it? A baton with a corkscrew on the end of it. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. I got a little deal with the arranger. From now on, he's writing a nothing but upbeats. Look, Phil. Too bad you can't be there, Jackson. You're going to miss my speech. Oh, you're going to make a speech, too? Certainly. Hey, look, how's this sound? Guests, friends, fellow musicians, and policemen. Oh, you invited the police? No, but they'll be there. They'll be there. Well, they're bound to be. Look, Phil, I'd like to stand here and talk to you about your soiree, but I have to finish packing. So long. Now, wait a minute, Jackson. Wait a minute. I want you to hear that joke I called about. Ask me why girls who live in the Rockies won't take sun baths. All right, Phil. Why won't girls who live in the Rockies... Rochester. Rochester. Oh, for... Just a minute, Phil. I better answer the door. Never failed. Whenever I'm in a hurry, there's a million interruptions. Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Come on in, kid. Well, Dennis, I suppose you came over to say goodbye. Yeah, how did you know I was going away? <laughs> Oh, are you going away, too? Uh-huh. As long as I got a few days off, I thought I'd go to Waxahachie, Texas. Oh. Are you going there on business? No. Oh, then you have friends there? No. Relatives? No. Rochester, be sure to pack my tuxedo. I'll need it for the banquet. Yes, sir. Uh, Dennis, if you're not going on... Mary, visit... don't get into this. <laughs> Please. Don't stop. We're starting on a trip. Let's be happy. Go lucky. Jack, I've got to ask him. Dennis, if you're not going on business and you have no friends or relatives there, why are you going to Waxahachie? The name fascinates me. <laughs> well, Dennis, for you, that's a good reason. I remember once you went to Philadelphia because your mother wanted cream cheese. <laughs> Dennis... How are you going to Waxahachie? By train? No, I'm going to fly. Oh, you're flying. What plane are you going to take? No plane. I need the exercise. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, Dennis, eight. Dennis, what are you doing? I'm counting up to ten for him. He's so mad he can't talk. Well, maybe you ought to do your song. Yeah, I think I'll... Gee, look at the way his eyes stick out. I'd better sing. Yes, I'll say you better. Bright California 
Janice, that was beautiful. You know, it's amazing. When you talk to me, I get so mad. Then when you sing, it's the most wonderful thing in the whole... Jack, he went out. No, he walked into the closet. Lock it, Mary. <laughs> well, I better be running along, too, Jack. Okay, Mary. I'm sorry we're not going on the same plane. Well, I can't go till Tuesday, but I'll see you in New York. Yeah. Come here and kiss me goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Gee, look at the way his eyes stick out. <laughs> They'll be all right by the time I get to New York. <laughs> Goodbye, Mary. Goodbye, doll. Gee, she called me doll. Now, let's see. What was I doing? Say, boss, do you want to take your violin along on the trip? My violin? Say, maybe I better. See, Clifton Fadiman invited me to uh, appear on the Lucky Strike television program. This is show business. And they'll probably ask me to play. Want a bet? <laughs> Look, Rochester, you don't have... Oh, no. Answer the door, will you, please? Yes, boss. Hello, Rochester. Mr. Benny in? Yeah, come right in. Boss, it's Mr. Georgie Jessel. Well, Georgie, nice to see you. What are you doing here? Well, I had a few minutes between banquets, so I thought I'd drop by. <laughs> well, this is a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect to see you till we got to New York. Well, Jack, I had a reason. I've been thinking about your dinner. About the testimonial dinner? Yes, and I thought that instead of having the usual type of speeches, it might be a lot nicer if I told them the story of your life. Say, that's a pretty good idea. At the dinner, huh? Do you yeah. want me to write it? No, I wrote it myself, but I want your approval of it. Oh, about my life. Hey, well, go ahead. Let's hear it. All right. Okay, now, after the preliminary speeches are over, the lights will dim down, I'll stand up, and there'll be a big fanfare. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our story starts with the birth of Jack Penny in the year 1894. Just 39 years ago. <laughs> it all happened in the little town of Waukegan, Illinois. The proud parents gazed with delight on the blue-eyed baby. And it was at this moment that Jack Benny's voice was heard for the first time. <laughs> Look at him, Papa. He's so cute. Yes. We'll call him Jackie. Doctor, I want to ask you something. Oh, I know all parents think their children are unusual, but honestly, Doctor, isn't our Jackie different from most babies? Little Jackie, Papa, he's got your mouth. And he's got your nose. And he's got your eyes. And he's got your ears. And look at his hair. That's mine. It slipped off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 
Uh, now, Mr. Betty, about my fee. Uh, don't worry, Doctor. Just mail your bill, and my son Jackie will send you a check. Oh, thank you, but wait a minute. <laughs> your son here, Jackie, he's only a few minutes old. How can he send me a check? I don't know how he did it, but he already saved $800. <laughs> And so the little baby began to grow and make rapid progress. At the age of six months, he astounded medical science because he had 32 teeth. All uppers. <laughs> ah, but Jackie was a happy little child, and all day long he used to sit in his crib playing with his toys. As he grew older, his parents gave him everything he wanted. But Jack wasn't an only child. He had a younger sister named Florence. Today, he has an older sister named Florence. <laughs> the years passed, and finally, Jackie entered school. As a student, he was exceptionally bright, particularly in arithmetic. And now for the next question, I will call on Jackie Benny. Yes, teacher. Now, Jackie, if you loan $10 to Albert and $5 to Irving and $15 to Tommy, and they all paid you back at once, how much money would you have? $31. I'm sorry, Jackie, but the correct answer is $30. What about the interest? <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. And that reminds me, Jackie... I'll pay you the money I owe you Friday. Good. Good, good. Then I'll give you back your wristwatch. It was easy to see that there was something about Jackie that was different from other boys. In his class, there was one little boy who lived near the stockyards. There was another whose home was above a livery stable. Still another who lived next door to a glue factory. Yet Jackie was the only kid in the class called Stinky. <laughs> However, somehow he seemed to know that he was destined for a musical career. And for the next few years, he took violin lessons regularly. No, no, no. How many times must I tell you? Smoothly, smoothly. I'm sorry. We'll play it again. Only this time, hold the bow with one hand. You're not Ty Cobb. <laughs> Try. No, not today. The lesson she is over. Oh, well, goodbye, Professor. Uh, wait, uh, you did not pay me. Huh? Monsieur Benny, I want my money. Well, Jack was persistent about his violin playing. He took lessons year. Monsieur Benny, my money. After year. Monsieur Benny, my money. After year. Please, Monsieur Benny, my money. <laughs> it finally came the day of his graduation from elementary school. Oh, it was a proud moment for Jack and his parents. That was the day that he put on his first pair of long pants. They looked kind of bulky over his diapers. <laughs> ah, but as he was about to leave the house, his parents looked at him proudly and said, Jackie, we're proud of you. Thanks, Mother. And I'm so excited. Look at him, Mama. Doesn't he look handsome? Oh, he should look handsome. He's got your mouth. And he's got your nose. And he's got your eyes. And he's still got my hair. <laughs> You'll get 
it. You'll get it. Let him graduate first. <laughs> and Papa, we want to get there early. He's going to play a violin solo. and fellow graduates. Your kind reception to my musical offering has filled my little heart with joy. But I don't deserve all this applause alone. Some of the glory must be shared by my music teacher. That wonderful man, that brilliant genius, that great... Never mind the compliments. I want my money. <laughs> Jack Benny's schooling and violin study was interrupted by World War I when he entered the armed forces. He was really much too young to go, but his father was on the draft board. <laughs> and so, early in 1917, we find Jack Benny no longer a boy, but a man, ready to enter the Navy. Goodbye, Papa. Go already. <laughs> So the war was over, and Jack went home, but his parents had moved. <laughs> and so he decided on vaudeville as a career. It was about this time that many changes took place in the entertainment world. New innovations had come along, the radio talking pictures. And at one picture called Lucky Boy, a handsome young leading man named Georgie Jessel scored an immediate smash hit when he sang, One Bright and Guiding Light. That taught me wrong from right I found in my mother's eyes. Those baby tales she told. Georgie. That road all paved with gold. Georgie, me, me. It's my life story. (laughs) I'm sorry. With the advent of a radio, (laughs) many new stars were made overnight. And one of the brightest was the man who always opened his show with... Hello again. From this, he became a star? (laughs) Uh, But when Jack realized that he was a big hit in radio, he decided to get his own program. And first, he looked for an announcer. He didn't have to look far because Don Wilson was everywhere. (laughs) So you want to be a radio announcer, eh? Yes, sir. Have you had any experience? A little. Well, before I hire you, I'd uh, like an audition, please. Yes, sir. Listen to this. L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Very good, very good. (laughs) Friends, we say Lucky's taste better than any other cigarette. And you have a perfect right to know why we make that statement. Well, we certainly do. (laughs) So here are the facts. The taste of anything depends on two things. First, what it's made of. Second, how it's put together. Well, that's logical. Now, to get better taste in a cigarette, you must begin with fine tobacco. That's right, there's no substitute for fine tobacco. And don't let anybody tell you different. Oh, I won't, I won't. (laughs) And take your knee out of my stomach. So, L-S-M-F-T, yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. 
And so Don Wilson was hired, even though at that time Jack was on for Jell-O. <laughs> but one of the freshest things about Jack's show was the new talent that he always found for it. And he usually met these supporting players in unusual places. For instance, one day while he was shopping... Oh, miss, uh, do you have dental floss? Yes, the May Company has everything. Oh. And say, you have all uppers, haven't you? <laughs> hey, you notice everything. You're pretty cute. How about having dinner with me tonight? I'm sorry, but I never let strangers buy me dinner. Good, good. <laughs> You're my type. Look, mister, you better stop annoying me. Hey, Mary, you want me to come over there and punch him in the nose? Mm, it's all right, babe. I can handle it myself. <laughs> yes, and that was how Jack first met Mary Livingston. He took her away from the May Company and made her a star. Then one day, Jack was crossing Vine Street. He stepped off the curb and... Whoops, sorry. I almost tripped over you. I didn't see you. I didn't see you either. I was face down. <laughs> And so, Phil Harris joined the show. <laughs> now that Jack had an orchestra, he needed a singer, and he auditioned dozens of them. One day, he listened to a newcomer, a shy, apple-cheeked young lad with the face of a cherub and a beautiful voice. And when he finished singing, Jack said, So your name is Dennis Day? Yeah, you want to make something out of it? <laughs> hmm. Jack hired this talented young tenor, and after four or five years... With no outside help, he almost drove Jack nuts. <laughs> now with his cast completed, Jack decided to move into a new house in Beverly Hills with his faithful Verrett, Rochester. Boss, this house is sure beautiful. Yes, it is, Rochester. But you know, I've been thinking. About what? Well, a house isn't really a home without a woman. Want me to get married? <laughs> Never mind. And so Jack moved into his new home, which he still resides. The house is located in Beverly Hills. The day he moved in, his next-door neighbor exclaimed, Ah, uh, about the fence, Benita, do you honestly think that 20 feet will be high enough? <laughs> and so, distinguished guests and ladies and gentlemen, that brings us up to the present here at Jack Benny's testimonial dinner. And while we have kidded him tonight about those various characteristics he has assumed on his radio programs merely for the purpose of making you laugh, you who know him best will say of Jack Benny that he is a fine comedian and a fine man. I thank you. Well, Jack, that's the speech. How do you like it? Gee, it's beautiful, Georgie. Really beautiful. Well, I'm glad you like it. Well, I gotta be running along. I'll see you in New York. So long, Georgie. So long, Jack. Well, have you got the bags all packed, Rochester? Yes, sir. Well, you can take them out to the airport now, and I'll meet you out there as soon as I finish my television show. Say, that's right. That is tonight, isn't it, boss? Certainly. I go on in a couple of minutes. Okay, boss. I'll take the... Wait a minute. What's the receiver doing off the phone? Huh? Oh, my goodness. I was talking to Phil, and I told him to hold the wire. I wonder if... 
Hello, Phil. Are you still there? Yeah, go ahead, Jackson. Ask me. Ask me. <laughs> Ask me. Okay, Phil. Why won't the girls who live in the Rockies take sun baths? Because the mountain peaks. <laughs> oh, Harris, you may have had to wait 20 minutes, but you got it in, Dad. <laughs> Come on, Rochester, let's go. Jack will be back in just a moment. But first, Lucky's taste better. Yes, Lucky's taste better. And one big reason is they're made better. Conclusive new proof reveals that Lucky Strike is the best made of all five principal brands of cigarettes. This is not a claim, but a fact, verified by leading laboratory consultants. Earlier, you heard the report of Foster D. Snell, Incorporated of New York. Now listen to the report of Froling and Robertson of Richmond, Virginia. It is our conclusion that Lucky Strike is the best made of these five major brands. Yes, this authentic new proof sweeps away the smokescreen of empty claims made for other cigarettes. Double talk, like this. Words, empty promises. Don't be misled by them. Remember the facts. Remember LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Remember, Luckies are made better. Remember, Luckies taste better. <laughs> Thank you, Georgie Jessel. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a few minutes when this program goes off the air, those of you who haven't had enough of me can see me on television. So I'll see you in a few minutes. Good night, folks. This is Don Wilson reminding you to listen to your hit parade with Guy Lombardo every Thursday night presented by Lucky Strike. Consult your newspaper for time and station. The Jack Rennie program is heard by our armed forces overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Jack Rennie program is transcribed on the CBS Radio Network. Now to Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me to eat? Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Hello, Duffy. Hey, what's that noise? You're helping your fat wife with the supper dishes? But what's all the racket? Oh, you're washing and she's throwing. Duffy's <laughs> fighting again. Why don't you try romancing her? Yeah, neck her a bit. You know, put your arms around her. Huh? Well, all right, halfway around. <laughs> you can't even get that far? <laughs> oh, well, uh, uh, 
Uh, can't you catch her when she's inhaling? Oh. When she exhales, the recoil knocks you across the room. <laughs> well, don't be frank, but these points of yours is very discouraging, you know. I was thinking about marriage myself. Well, it finally happened to me. Yep, I'm in love. Naturally, what a girl. <laughs> Her name is Peggy Lee. Well, I ain't met her yet. I just heard her singing. Uh, kind of silly. I just fall in love with a voice on a jukebox. That's nothing. You married a whole jukebox? <laughs> Hello? Hello? You must have heard him. <laughs> Boy, there goes more dishes that way. <clears throat> Well, my marriage is going to be different. That looks opposite. Now, I was just... Oh, hello, Eddie, old pal. How's your health today? I hope you are well, old pal. I'm fine, old pal. How are you, old pal? How much do you need, old pal? I don't need nothing, Eddie. Today, I'm the most completely happiest guy in the world. And you know why? Tell me, like, sir. <laughs> Well, we've been friends for a long time. I think I can confide in you. Eddie, I'm in love. Well, that's your little heart. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at a new man, wafted up on the wings of love, a knight in shining armor, sitting on me white horse. Uh, tell me, which way are you facing? Might I inquire as to who is the object of your attention? Well, the objectionable lady happens to be, Eddie. <laughs> Hey, Miss Peggy Lee, a singer. Hmm, singer? Yep, I listened to her on a jukebox, and as soon as I heard her, I know it was it. And I felt chemicals all over me. <laughs> Eddie, I bet you I'm worth to put 15 nickels in that machine. 15 nickels? Well, naturally, I slipped in a few slugs. She's not already. No, not on this end, because if she looks anything like she sounds... Up there, up there. <laughs> By the way, she's coming down here tonight. I uh, wrote her a uh, letter offering her a job here. Grounds for divorce already. Uh, and look, and when she takes a look at you in that broken down apron, she ain't then... gonna see me in a broken down apron, Eddie. I got me a whole new outfit: suit, tie, shoes, hat, the works. You know, she'll be looking at a new watch. Eight to five, she'd rather look at an old Van Johnson. <laughs> Anyway. Where did I get them? Huh? Only one of the finest sailors in town. Here, look at his card. The Duke of Windsor Clothing Company, by appointment to His Majesty, 50 cents hold any garment in the store. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a very hard thing. Yep, they give you the best deal on Third Avenue. Eddie, your suit costs them $11, they sell it for $11. How do they make any money? Hot wrapping paper. <laughs> uh, I think I'll call him up and see if it's ready. Hello? Uh, Duke of Windsor Clothing Company? Connect me with a college shop, please. <laughs> Hello, Sam? Uh, this is Archie. How's the alterations coming? But, Sam, the coat pinched and the pants were so tight, I should go on a diet, huh? Very high-class place. Look, Sam, 
Can't you let the suit out just a bit? You'll what? Loosen the stitches a little, huh? Well, okay, I'll send Eddie over for it. <clears throat> Eddie, go over and pick it up, will you? And don't let them give you a suit off one of them dummies. Uh, hello, Art. All right, Finnegan, uh, what you been doing for amusement? All the same, Mr. Gilgul. Ah, get out, Finnegan. Uh, by the way, you remember that Peggy Lee I told you about that I heard singing on the record? Yeah. Well, she's coming down tonight in the flesh. Archie, won't she be cold? And again, don't be such a jerk. I don't mean that the dame is coming down or grab. <laughs> she ain't no strip tease. She's a high-class radio entertainer. The chief in radio? Yeah. So them people are really nuts. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, Archie. <laughs> but I don't. Oh, how about that day? What day? That Saturday. Finnegan, uh, please, please follow the example of your head, will you, and come to the point. <laughs> no, sir, I'm talking about the time I was on that Truth or Consequences program. Oh, uh, what was you, a Truth or a Consequence? <laughs> yes, Dodge. Oh, that would be too tough to get. <laughs> Well, what happened? So all, they asked me a question, and when I told them I didn't know the answer, they hit me over the head, and then they poured water over me and hit me in the face with a big pie and knocked me down on the floor. But the joke was on them, boss. What do you mean? I knew the answer all the time. Finnegan, <laughs> you know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Good time, Josh. Yep. Sometime, uh, you and I must take a slow rocket to the moon. <laughs> Anytime, huh? Okay, it's a date. <clears throat> Another one. <clears throat> uh, what is it, Miss Duffy? Um, I have a question to ask you. I'm looking for a male viewpoint. Miss Duffy, be honest. What you're looking for is a male period. <laughs> but, uh, I'm gay today. What is it again? <clears throat> well, I'm taking this course in home economics. You know, how to be a homemaker? Well, ain't that kind of counting your chickens before they hitch? <laughs> now, what's the question? Well, how much do you think a man should give his wife every week to operate the household? Well, I think it depends to an extent on the wife's salary. <laughs> if she ain't working, you've got to give her a little of your own money. <clears throat> what they call a budget. I'd say that a fair figure would be uh, $8 a month for food and uh, maybe 6 or 7 bucks a month for rent. <laughs> Depending on how many rooms you have, of course. Well, I'm certainly glad I'm not getting married to you. Likewise, I'm sure. <laughs> Run a house on $15 a month. Huh. It can be done if the housewife knows how to economize. Uh, for instance, when a pile of chairs wear out, instead of buying new ones, she'll make slip covers out of a couple of her old slips. <laughs> she'll know how to embroider a bed sheet so it can also be used on the dining room table. A lot of little tricks, uh, like how to clean out the ashtrays and carefully assort the butts according to size. <laughs> 
How to sprinkle the paper flowers with toilet water so they smell real. <laughs> but the main thing is, irregardless of the money, a dame should remember that a man wants his comfort, that his home should be a home. Even the bathroom should look lived in. <laughs> Well, I just got them recently, Miss Duffy. Oh, hello, Eddie. You back already? Yeah, here's the suit. Oh, thanks. I think I'll hurry up in the back room and put it on. She's liable to be here any minute. Well, Eddie, uh, get a load of me. How do you like the new suit? Well, pull down the shades and call me sunset. Like the color, Eddie? Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Let's see now. That's a green plaid over a red and yellow check with an orange pinstripe. Oh. 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 Uh, you don't think that it's too loud? No, not next to that purple shirt you're wearing. <laughs> well, aside from the color, what do you think? Uh, well, just a little skimpy, Eddie. Skimpy? Yeah, look at them pants. Whoever heard of anybody wearing pants that short? Well, Eddie, how many men have legs like mine? <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> I admit it's a little tight, but it's beautiful material. And believe me, I can be seen any place in it. Yeah. Just stand over and you'll be seen every place. <laughs> Forget about the pants. Look at the coat. Look at his shoulders. Walt the pigeon himself ain't got shoulders like these. Neither have you. <laughs> Wait a minute. He's still got the price tag hanging on it. Well, that's part of my system, Eddie. I jacked it up to 18 bucks. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why should I kid the dame that I'm wealthy after all? I got looks and brains and personality. Leave her love me for myself. Sure. Why not? You do. What conceit? Eddie, if you really understood me, you'd realize that I don't think I'm half as good as I really am. Hey, look at that dame that just come in. Oh, mm, what a stack of esquires. <laughs> Eddie, you know me with them Varga blondes. Yeah, you're just an old Varga blonde lover. Uh, I beg your pardon, miss. You're, uh, Peggy Lee, aren't you? Yes, I am. Who are you? Three guesses. <laughs> well, uh, let me look at you. Manny Moe and Jack? Go <laughs> on, you're kidding me. You know very well who I am. Who did you come down here to see? Oh, wait a minute. You're not Archie. You want a bet? <laughs> <laughs> but let me look at you. No, I expected to find you a chicory chick, but I didn't know you'd have so much chawan, chawan.
I'll never forget the first time I heard you sing. You know, what a pair of pipes. <laughs> Terrific. Where did you hear me? On a jukebox. Yeah, it was destiny, Connie. You know, I, I meant to play Spike Jones, but instead, uh, I pressed you. <laughs> it seemed like fate was guiding me very finger. <clears throat> I was so in love with you, Peggy, I played the record 12 times. Oh, Archie, that's silly. Silly? Look, honey, I don't know about you, but where I come from, playing a record 12 times at a nickel a crack is rough. <laughs> well, this is all very flattering, Archie, but uh, what about the job? The job? Now, wait a minute. You don't have to be standoffish just because I happen to be the boss around here. Hello, Duffy. I guess at least I'd have 
I'm not going to start to work here until I meet Mr. Duffy. Why? Well, after all, he'll be one of my bosses, and I feel I should be nice to him. I think I'll go fix my makeup. Let me know when he gets here. That's dirty Duffy. Always lousing me up. Wait a minute. I'll fix him.
Okay, you're welcome. And cloud him one for me, too, will you? <laughs> well, that's that. Pretty clever, huh, Eddie? Masterful. <laughs> There's only one thing. What? Miss Lee says she ain't gonna work yet till she meets Mr. Duffy. Okay. She wants to meet Mr. Duffy, I'll give her a Mr. Duffy. Huh? If I have to produce another hideous corpus. <laughs> be a dirty trick to play on the both of them. <laughs> Finnegan, here's what I want you to do. Yeah. Eddie, wants to join him in it, will you? Churchill, 
I told you the dame don't know what Duffy looks like. All she knows about is his personality. So just act stupid. Oh, I'll do me best, Doc. <laughs> but don't expect me to be as stupid as Duffy. After all, he's older. Well, I'll take the gamble, Finnegan. Now, I'll call her over and have you meet her. Oh, uh, Peggy, uh, this is Mr. Duffy. How do you do? I'm Peggy Lee. How do you do? I'm stupid. <laughs> I mean, Junior partner is a great joshie, you know, Peggy. Uh, uh, by the way, Junior... Uh, uh, what is it, Junior? Uh, <laughs> did you go down to the bank today like I told you to arrange for that second mortgage? Set the mortgages. Oh, yeah, but they wouldn't give it to me, Art. Why not? They only allow one to a customer. <laughs> what? You know, uh, Mr. Duffy, you're almost as stupid as Finnegan. Oh, yeah? You know, you can get a punch in the nose for a remark like that. Please, don't forget you're talking to the senior partner. Just a second, Archie. You know something, Mr. Duffy? I say, Mr. Duffy. <laughs> Mr. Duffy, the dame is talking to you. Oh, yeah. What were you saying, my dear? Well, I was about to say that I think you're very cute. Oh, good. <laughs> No, I mean it. Oh, cut it off. Tell me, are you married? Well, yes and no. What do you mean, yes and no? Well, I got a wife, but I don't like it. <laughs> oh, Mr. Duffy, I think you're just precious. Yes, he is rather a precious little slob, ain't he? Just a second. You stay out of this, thing, you. Huh? Sir, so, Miss Lee, uh, I understand that you are a singer. That's right. Would you like to hear me sing? I'd be enchanted. Now, just a second. Now, I'd rather you stay out of this, old man. Uh, go ahead, Miss Lee. A fall You said someday you'd turn the tide And I'd be laughing on the other side You were right, baby Marvelous. Uh, marvelous. Marvelous. Look, Peggy, why don't we ditch this creep here? 
Maybe it's come over to Roseland and kick it around a little, huh? Well, okay, but maybe Mr. Duffy would like to go dancing, too. But we both can't go. Well, then, maybe you better stay here since you're the brains of the business. Now, wait a minute. The thing is, you heard this, girl. Uh, by the way, I'm a little broke, so if you don't mind, I'll take five bucks from our cash register. Now, just a second, Finnegan. Finnegan? Uh, that was my maiden name. Uh, uh, let's go. Uh, good night, senior. Good night, Archie. Holy cow. I created a Frankenstein out of a Frankenstein. <laughs> And so ends another chapter in the love life of Archie, the story of one man's fight against himself. This is the Armed Forces Radio Program. A big thank you again to Amy Jaden and Todd Shields, our listeners, for their suggestions of the two shows we just heard on today's podcast. If you'd like to make a suggestion for a future episode of this podcast, please visit us at anchor.fm slash oldradiocomedypodcast, or just tap the link in the show's description on your podcast app and leave me a message. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. It's really appreciated, and it really helps keep us growing. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Old Radio Comedy. That's it for today. Tune in next time for another classic comedy radio program right here on the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Blah, 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 blah.